Hey guys, just before we get into it, we would like to acknowledge our podcast partners in Beyond Blue. If you're feeling low, anxious, or need to talk to someone, please contact the people at Beyond Blue. Their phone number is 1300 224 636. You can visit them on the website as well at www.beyondblue.org.au forward slash get support. Enjoy the episode. Thanks, guys. Hello and welcome to the Listics AFL podcast. I'm your host, John Van Norden, and here with me, as always, is my good mate, Sean Lewis. Sean, how are you doing this week, mate? Travelling very well, thanks, John. Um, it's been a, a good week this week, I think. It's been, you know, um, forgetting the Melbourne results, I think. Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's your standard now, is having to forget the Melbourne results, yeah. but... We're straight kicking with matches, they say. Yeah, we're, we're pretty excited to um, be finally getting into our... Um, list reviews. So this is how we started the podcast: was doing detailed reviews of each list, uh, the current state, and the moves that they should be making. Um, but we just wanted to touch on a couple of things uh, in the, I guess, before we jump into the podcast. First thing is that uh, I'd like to do a shout out to our friends at the um, Australian Sports Technology Conference, which is from Friday the twenty third of August, twenty nineteen, um, and it's in Melbourne. Uh, it focuses on data. Uh, digital analytics technology in sports and media um, as well as health and human performance and it's been a fantastic conference over the last couple of years Um, uh, it's a really fun one especially for anyone that follows data analytics and AFL like we do Sean and I have attended it a couple of times before yeah it's really good and I'll definitely be there this year so uh, if if you guys want to find out where it is you can just go to www.sportstechworldseries.com forward slash Australia um, and let me know if you're going to be there and I'll, um, I'll buy you a coffee or something we can catch up yep um, make sure everyone hit him up on that coffee yeah <laughs> um, yeah I mean we went to we've been there a few times and it's always fascinating to see the, the latest technology coming out and um, I know there was a few oh, was it two years ago there was some pretty cool like video coding technologies and stuff which were good for sports and there was a couple of really good presentations around um, around data tracking around injury management um, I think there was a, a fair bit out of soccer uh, there was a guy from Juventus and a, and a guy from, um, oh, he might have been the head of the English Premier League or Medical Association or something, who gave this fascinating um, presentation around, um, I guess, understanding injuries and, and loadings on players. So it was, you know, um, very, very worthwhile conference if you, if you like expanding your horizons and seeing what the gurus are working on. And, you know, and it's not just limited to AFL. It's you know, there's, you know, there's a lot of stuff we learn from soccer and other sports and stuff, which is really, really good. Yeah, but if you are interested in AFL, um, I know that Dan O'Shaughnessy um, will be there. He's, the guru. Yeah, he's an awesome dude to chat to, and there's always a couple of big stats companies there as well. So get along. Um, let me know if you need that website again, and I can send it to you. Yep, absolutely. Um, just two things, I guess, I wanted to touch on before we get cracking in. Um, First one was uh, just around, obviously, mental health being a big issue for, for John and I to really pr- um, kind of promote the, I guess, the wider acceptance and understanding of, of mental health issues. Um, what I found interesting this week, uh, Liam Plunkett, who was a part of England's victorious um, World Cup side and, and played a key role in that, he came out and said that basically it's, it's been quite hard in the days following the World Cup win. Um, he's been he's been struggling a bit with his mental health, been a bit down because he, he the way he described it was you know um, it's a transition back to normality. And he said you know I went from winning the World Cup 
and all of a sudden uh, I'm sat on my sofa watching Netflix a day and a half later. It was quite hard and honestly I felt quite down a little bit. So, you know, some really open and honest um, commentary there from, from Liam. Um, and I know he's had, you know, I guess his story is one that probably a lot of sports people face, which is um, uh, early on in his career and maybe even potentially earlier, he suffered panic attacks and anxiety around um, the, um, just around his performance, I guess. So um, because of that, you know, he, he really wanted to perform well. And then every time you know, in, in that real desire to want, he got anxious and, and was, you know, had a panic attack or had a few panic attacks and was unable to perform. Um, you know, this is an elite, elite cricketer that, you know, we, you know, we all look up to. He's now won a World Cup and everything and he's expressing, you know, how hard it was for him and it's a real stark reminder for us as fans of the game, um, of any game, any sport, that the pressure we put on athletes it, they do feel it either and now with social media it's even worse but you know they do feel that pressure and, and in a lot of cases the athletes are the hardest people on themselves as well um, and so that mental health that real understanding and, and respect of what the mental health issues are is very important so um, yeah you know full credit for, for Liam to, for being so open and honest and it's, it's good to kind of see it being reported widely in the media and I've seen there's an article on Fox Sports about it, and it's been very widely reported over in England. So that was really good. That's great. And the, I mean, the other one, um, obviously, it's been a really big talking topic, especially um, in AFL and local circles, is all the stuff to do with the Adam Goods um, doco that was released. Yeah. Um, so obviously, a lot of people have seen it already, uh, but it's a. Uh, if you haven't seen it, make the time to make the time to see it. I mean. At this time of year when I know that we all love footy and we love to be able to sit down to any game, but if, you can, if you're just watching a game between two teams that you don't support um, and you're just watching it for fun and you haven't seen the good Stocko, put the game aside and watch the documentary. It, it will, you'll learn a lot more about uh, football and, I guess, wider society by watching that documentary than you will from the game. Yeah, I'll, yeah. so again, it's probably more of a personal one. Um, around the the state of Indigenous Affairs in Australia. Um, you know, I'm pretty well outspoken amongst my friends for, for saying it's a fairly large blight on our country, the fact that we have the oldest living culture in the world and um, we know very little about it. We don't even, um, you know, know about the Indigenous language uh, of Australia um, and our First Nations people, um, you know, kind of excluded from, from our constitution um, it took, you know, monumental court ruling to acknowledge their land rights with obviously Marbo in the early 90s. Um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of things that, you know, um, I guess I'd like to see corrected in Australia, but that's that's more of a personal thing. And but I mean, the Goods documentary um, was was just it was just put together and it was put together, obviously, um, to demonstrate um I guess the treatment of, regardless of, of race, you know, he is a champion of our game, Adam Goods. Um, I mean, when you sit back and look at his record, 350 odd games, um, two Brownlow medals, premiership medals, um, all Australians, best and fairest. Like, this is a, a guy that, by by all the very definitions of what a champion player is, um, he meets and exceeds in every way, shape, or form, and. 
to see him subjected for the last three years of his career to that. And I know there were some some good moments where we all stood up and you know the you know this the, the um, seven minute mark of the third quarter with a round of applause. Yeah. You know everyone got behind and, and really tried. Um, I was at the grand final where he was booed. Um, I remember feeling a lot of shame um, out of that. You know, um, sometimes people don't know why they do it, and you know it's not for us to debate. Um, I guess whether whether it was racist or not racist. I'm not yeah, really not going to debate individuals' motivations, no. but there. I mean, there are a lot of things both in that documentary and just general facts about, as you said, it's quite um, confronting. Yeah, it is. Um, and uh, one of the things that I mean, I this is a pretty big issue for me as well that I care a, a lot about. Um, uh, one of the biggest things that I, I sort of learned in probably the last few years was that that like things like the stolen generation. Um, mm. and we we have a great appreciation for how bad that was, but probably not a great appreciation for when that was. Um, that that finished in the nineteen seventies. So 1970s means that for both, like both for Sean and I, that means that our parents were born when the Stolen Generation still had more than 10 years left. So theoretically, they could have been yeah. part of the Stolen Generation had we been Indigenous. Um, and people that are Indigenous today are growing up with either parents that could have been part of the Stolen Generation themselves or grandparents or family members that were definitely... Uh, definitely still still feeling the effects of that so yeah. it's and not it's not as easy as um, well there's, as, there's, the, as the past being the past and moving on uh, there's still a lot of uh, raw nerves out there well and there's also another layer to this um, in the documentary if you watch it there's a there's a documentary called utopia that that Adam goods was um, they, they mentioned he went to Redfern to watch the the premiere of it. Um, look, I've seen it. Um, if you want to be, if you're happy to feel a bit uncomfortable and really um, want to want to open and understand this issue and how great it is, um, watch Utopia. Um, you can find it online. You can watch it on your phone. Um, same, so Channel Ten Play is where the Adam Goods documentary is on, so you can watch it for free. Doesn't cost you a cent. Um, but that utopia really confronts, and, and the stolen generation, as we define it, yes, it finished in the 70s, but there were some laws brought in in the early 2000s, um, which effectively um, gave gave the government some rights to almost effectively create a, what you would almost consider a second stolen generation, and that's that's as recently as yeah, like 2004, those laws came in, um, and I can't, I'm not sure when they were reversed, but. You know that's pretty confronting to think even in our lifetime um you know kids have potentially been removed from from their parents um with not the same standard as the rest of the population yeah so obviously you know neglect and all that needs to be addressed and and, and um kids in danger and and we need to we need to be making sure we're looking after kids, but uh, a lot of it was apparently done on false pretenses, and, and it's pretty clear in this documentary for that. So, uh, look, I encourage everyone. Um, everyone's going to feel differently. It's open for debate, but the best thing we can do is talk about this issue. Um, the Adam Goods documentary is fantastic um, because, again, it, it can, it's confronting in the way that, you know, exclude race and think... You know, this is a guy that's achieved everything that we define as success in in AFL, and um, he was outwardly booed for three years. 
Um, I, I honestly I didn't remember it being that long, and that was the confronting part. I thought it was maybe a season, a season and a half, but it was genuinely three years, and that in itself is just not good enough. And and you know all you know uh, we all boo other play, you know, players because they don't represent um, something that's you know not right. But you boo them for two weeks doesn't doesn't go on for three seasons. So. Um, and effectively, we probably like the, that behaviour probably pushed Adam out of the game maybe a year earlier than he was willing to go. Um, and yeah, and I really hope that the AFL can can try and right the wrongs. And you know, it'd be great to see him get his get a parade as a retiring player, which he hasn't yet done. Um, it'd be great to see them acknowledge him as a as a champion of the game sooner rather than later. Um, yeah, he absolutely deserves it. And yeah, further that if you if you want to. Um, again, challenge or understand or learn um, about the issues in wider Australian society. Um, I encourage you to watch Utopia. You can find it online. Um, I think it's three dollars off Amazon Store, or you can probably find a, a streaming copy somewhere. Not that we encourage that, <laughs> um, but yeah, absolutely, uh, well worth it. Um, very big issue that I'm passionate about. And, yeah, we we, um, we don't we don't endorse illegal streaming. No, but we. It do endorse Education. uh, educational viewing. So <laughs> read into that as you will. Yeah. Um, I think I think you can stream it on your phone off the um, filmmakers website. So off, okay. off Vimeo. So um, by all means, get go go and have a watch, and it, it's certainly worth the, the time. Um, and probably on top of that, um, you know, if you if you feel similarly to us and, and want to make a difference, there are plenty of organisations around. Um, one big one that we've had a bit to do with is Red Dust. So um, look them up. They're a very good organisation who, who help um, our First Nations people out and, um, you know, they're a fantastic organisation there. Yep. There's Organized, plenty of other good ones. Yeah, Clontarf. Um, Clontarf as Clontarf well. Academies um, are other ones that we've been personally involved in. But, yeah, um, yeah it, it's, it's well worth understanding it um, because... To be fair, but a lot I think it's due to our education system, but a lot of us know a, lot, a bit more about um, American history than we do about old Australian history. I know that I'm not here to debate the curriculum either, because I know that things are changing. Um, no, I knew more about the Renaissance and the medieval English times than I did. Yeah, know yeah. that Rottnest Island was a was the home to basically um, a genocide of of a clan of yeah. Aboriginal men. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and it's stuff that we need to learn about. So yeah. there's a lot of self-education out there that can be done. Um, but we'll, let's get stuck in. Yeah, it we'll move We've on to the serious stuff. <laughs> yeah, then we'll move on to the main part of the podcast now. Uh, so we're going to be working in uh, reverse ladder order, um, and that made me happy this week because Carlton, Thanks, Carlton shifted from 17th to 16th, bringing Melbourne into the frame for this podcast. So it's all right. I can't wait till Collingwood go out in straight sets. Yeah, well, if we make finals, mate, I reckon that we, there's still a chance that we could slip out. Uh, but uh, we will start with the, the team that probably needs the most help in the AFL right now, which is the Gold Coast Suns. Um, so the youngest team in the comp- uh, in the competition, and they've also got the um, least well, least games on average per player um, so their average age is, is 23 and a quarter and on average their players have played about 50 games so that's that's extremely low I mean to put it in context I think last year West Coast would have you know had 100 average games and an average age in around the, the oh, probably on an overall list of about 20 
25, a late 25, early 26 yeah. kind of area. So. And this, this is sort of almost what you'd expect, and this is what's happened because they've stripped back the list, but what you'd expect from a formation club. Um, it's even younger than they were last year, and they were the youngest club in the competition last year. So I, I would challenge to say that they're as young as like a 2014 GWS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'd say that's probably accurate. Yeah. Um, they're pretty well-rounded um, across the ground, maybe with um, a few too many skilled players and not enough midfielders. So um, they've got six key forwards, 11 general forwards, 11 mids, uh, two rucks, 10 general defenders, and seven key defenders. So they're pretty well-stocked as far as um, keys go. I mean, that, that's pretty much what we'd expect to see between sort of five and seven or eight yep. um, keys on either line. And probably you want something closer to 14 midfielders, so maybe a few too many general forwards and defenders, but I see that as probably a um, the fact that they don't have that many good midfielders, so uh, yeah. they probably just need to uncover a few more. And I understand that they probably drafted last year um, to bring in some of those taller and more talented players in Ben King, Isaac Rankin and Jack Lukosius because those kind of players aren't available this year. Yep. Uh, whereas somebody like Matty Real, um, Noah Anderson, although potentially not as good, uh, would have been midfielders. Like they're, they're, yeah. still, they're still midfielders. There's always midfielders available, and you're able to get talented midfielders this year. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it as a as a two year draft cycle, they've probably done the smart thing, and they've drafted um, the tall talent when it's available, and when it's very high end talent in Lukosius and King, um, Ben King, obviously, and then they've also got who uh, you know a guy we rate as as a real game changing type player in Isaac Rankin. They just need a get him fit and firing. But, I mean, any team where you pull out Stephen May, Tom Lynch, um, then, I guess, Cade college who was one of their better players for a long time until he had the concussion issues. Aaron Hall, who who's a real, um, I guess, was always up and down for them, but was certainly a best 22 player. Yep. And then a previous you know guy they spent pick six on in Jack Scrimshaw, and that, that's the keys that went out. And, the, the Lynch and May is just so huge. And as you said, they put a line in the sand and said, well, you know, um, that's that's what we need to do. But yeah. um, I think we all said at the start of the year, we expected Gold Coast to be in this position. And maybe because they ha- they started so well this year, 3-1, and, and and we all thought, well, maybe they're a little bit better than we think. But, um, yeah, they're not. They're exactly as good as we thought. Exactly. Um, it's just that... Um, by natural variations in um, data, and when this chance and everything like that happens, there are a lot of close games at the start. Yeah. They seem to win in the ones at the start. Um, Who are the key players? So the key players, the big changes for them, as you said, were the Tom Lynch and Stephen May, who were their two captains. Um, so they're no longer with the club. Um, so they're probably their key players now. Jared, Jared Witts, uh, Jack Bowes, Dave Swallow, Took Miller, and Alex Sexton. Um, Sexton's probably playing a little bit higher up the ground in the back half of the year just due to some injuries across the ground. Yep. They're still, like, for a team that's so bare as it is, they've got a fairly deep injury list as well. Um, and for that exposes the younger clubs more than it does anybody else just yeah. because they need all the talent on the park. Um, the guys that are going to be there for the future, obviously, we've, um, we've spoken about these guys last year or some of them. Uh, ben Ainsworth, Lockie Weller. And Jack Martin, and two of the guys that are definitely came in as um, players that look like they're definitely going to be future leaders now is Braden Fiorini uh, and, and Isaac Rankin. So, yep. Isaac Rankin, um, I reckon that 
if you do like obviously but people start talking about redrafts um for the for the previous year now you've seen all of these players play at the afl uh why you might have walsh and potentially rosie sitting at the top of the draft board now i would still have isaac rankin in that mix as a top three selection and potentially taken above them all because he's an absolute freak um so looking forward to having him back on the park yeah i mean rankin's um yeah, I mean, we've spoken about him a lot. He's just he's just awesome. Um, I really can't wait to watch what he can do at AFL level because, um, you know, potentially for, for Gold Coast, if, if he comes on quick, so if he can develop into, you know, probably 80% of his talent in the next two years, they will push quickly up the ladder because he's... You know, he's the kind of bloke who can who wins you games. Like you think think of yeah. Ro- Robbie Gray in his prime, you know, where he yeah. where he could literally carry Port Adelaide. Yeah. You know, they're they're roughly in the game, I guess the last quarter. Just get on Robbie and Especially watch him go. Because they're coached um they're coached to play like Sydney, um, with that tight defensive mm. low scoring games. But in, in low scoring games, he's the kind of player that will kick three goals in a short burst and oh. take take it from being an even contest to being, a, okay, we can just lock this down now. And he's the, he's the kind of guy who you can literally think you've got a handle on for an entire game, and in a 15-minute patch, he will tear you apart. Yep. And that's, you know, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh, I'm so excited to see what he can do. Talk us through the best 22 for the long term, mate. Yeah, so this is the long term best 22 includes uh, players that we assume will come into the side. Um, so we're sort of taking like a two to five year lens on this, um, excluding draft picks. So uh, Jez McLennan, Sam Collins, Charlie Ballard making up the fullback line. Uh, Lockie Weller, Ben King, Calamarchi, the halfback line. Yep. Jack Martin, Took Miller, Braden Fiorini across the center. Uh, the Rucks being Jared Witts, Jack Bowes, and David Swallow. The half-forward line being Ben Ainsworth, Jack Lacocious, and Will Powell, full forwards. Uh, Alex Sef- uh, Sefton, that's my boss, is called Sefton. Uh, <laughs> Alex Sexton, um, Peter Wright, uh, Isaac Rankin, Interchange, Darcy McPherson, Will Brody, Jesse Joyce, and Josh Corbett. So, looking at that straight away, you can see that this year they've had a lot of injuries. Yeah, um, and they're young as well. And they're so young. Like there's there's oh. there's not a key player in there that's probably over 27, and that's because all of the key players that are over 27 for them are pretty much going to retire in the next few years too. So, so you got I mean, really for them, Jared Witts, David Swallow, Peter Wright. And maybe Sam Collins, Jack Martin. That's that's really that's really the the like the bulk of the guys that are are close to the top end of their talent. Um, maybe maybe Jez McLennan or uh, Archie do it a bit of like it, it's just it's there's not like you're talking five players out of that entire list who aren't we aren't selecting on potential. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, McLennan definitely um, when he comes into the side will have a, a little while to develop. Um, Ballard's still young and tall. Um, Fiorini, I don't think we've seen the best of him yet. I think that he might end up being like a better Matt Crouch. Um, yeah, he's a real good accumulator, isn't he? Yeah, he just needs some support, but he'll get that. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think that there's hope. So some of the good things for Gold Coast Suns is that they do have still a lot of young high-end talent. Um, and their culture seems to have lifted a lot in the last 12 months. So uh, that was their biggest problem last year. 
Um, we do the good, the bad, the ugly. So last year, the ugly was there. Retention. Was retention. Culture and retention. Culture and retention. Um, but they've re-signed key players like David Swallow, uh, Sexton, Took Miller, uh, Wits. All of these guys have re-signed to long-term um, and then moved on people that seemed like they were likely to leave um, in May. I think they still might have a year where they might lose a couple of players um, that were there at the start. So... Day um, is out of contract. Jack Martin's out of contract. Uh, they haven't been able to re-sign him yet, so he might be moving on. Um, and they they still haven't proven that they can retain players at that key age. Um, given that they might lose Martin again this year, um, like being able to retain people like Will Brody and, and a couple of other players in that sort of age bracket for the next few years will be really important for them. Um, and obviously they don't have enough premium quality mids either, so that's one of the, the bad things for them. So Bose and Fiorini look like the most likely players that could end up being um, genuine gun midfielders or at like best first rotation midfielders, uh, but they probably still need to address that with one or two more premium quality players and definitely some experience in there to help them. Um, the biggest thing uh, for me, which is going to be the ugly for them this year, is just the um, the DVI losses on pick swaps. Um, so this isn't trading out players that wanting to go home or want to go to a winning club or anything like that. They're trading out picks here, so they have full say over whether they agree to the deal or not. Now, I'll just go through a few deals, which, I mean, on paper, it was very clear that, um, that they lost uh, as soon as it was done. Um, there was one in 2017, which was pick 21, pick 26, pick 37, and a future second round pick for pick 50 and West Coast's first round pick. So future first round pick. So that trade was done um, in 2017. In 2018, the trades that were done were uh, Brisbane's first round pick for pick 19, uh, Gold Coast second round pick, future, and Hawthorne's third round pick, which is a future. And then on the draft night, they've traded uh, pick four, pick 23, and a future fifth round pick, and they gave up pick 27 and pick 32. So yeah. moving moving yeah. forward four selections um, and giving up another second round pick. So, all right, all right. Before, we, before you go on, I've got the, the expected games of the 18, 2018 trades. Yep. It's the Brisbane Gold Coast trade. Yep. So... Pick 19, uh, second round this year, and third round this year for this year's first round of Brisbane. Yep. So Brisbane 138 expected games. Yep. Uh, Gold Coast 122. So just that's down. A, that's a loss. But, um, but pretty close. Uh, I still probably would. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. They're definitely giving up a lot. Um, so then last year's uh, pick 23 and West Coast 2019 round five. Yep. For 27 and 32, it yep. was 52 expected versus 88. So again, another. Yep. You know, they've they've already that those two trades alone last year are 50 xg down. So that's yeah. so that's, uh, a, that's a big loss. It is, and I mean, losing on the on DVI is bad enough um, when you can see on paper that you you've lost it down. And I know that every team has preferences, as in they want to move up the order and take only high picks or whatever it is. Um, but the way that it's actually played out in reality is really bad as well. The players from that point have then gone... Like, the clubs from that point have then gone on to improve drastically because of that trade. 
So if you look at the players that were brought in uh, by West Coast that year, they brought in Oscar Allen, Liam Ryan, Jack Petrocelli, and pick 25. Uh, and in the 2018 uh, draft, we, we know that it was O'Halloran was for Brisbane, but Ian Hill was still on the boards if you had that pick. Uh, pick 19 and 45. So they're obviously overpaid and they've been a... I mean, the, the two clubs that they've traded with have both shot up the ladder at the exact same time. So it's been both unfortunate and they've overpaid. But it sort of shows that you can't um, put all of your eggs into a basket and go, we're just going to optimize how many high draft picks we can possibly get. Because that year, especially that year with Gold Coast, where I mean, with West Coast, where they traded out uh, three picks, um, like effectively second rounders, if you count pick 37 as a late second rounder, no, or v- the very start of the third round. Yeah. Um, it, it was like I mean, Oscar that- Allen and Liam Ryan and Petrocelli. Liam Ryan was a massive part of their grand final win. So a but, reason why they ended up getting a worse pick. And Oscar Allen has showed already why he's potentially better than the player that they took instead. Yeah, so with, with that one, I mean, you can understand that year wasn't a particularly strong draft year. So um, you can understand why they made that the, the trade in terms of maybe two of those picks. But the, the, I guess where, where it kind of falls down is why is there four second-round picks for one first round yeah. and one fourth round? Yeah. Like, that. just the logic of that doesn't make sense. We know West Coast... Look, most of us had West Coast probably finishing somewhere inside the bottom 10 last year at the start of the season. So even that, even for a pick 10, if you were to go DVI, pick 10, it would be like, Oh, I'll have to work it out, but like 21 and 26 would probably be fine. Yeah, exa- yeah. for a pick 10. Yeah. It's, and, but, it's but double, what, double overpaid. Yeah, so why is 37 and why is the following year's second round involved in that? Or if you offered 21 and 2018 second round for, for the, what they got back, yep, no problems. I, I, you wouldn't be crucifying it. But, but the fact they gave up so many second picks. And, and like Oscar Allen was a talented player who... I think he was probably the best in Western Australia that year. Um, it was out of the he, champs. He won the... Didn't he win the Lark? Was it the Lark? Well, he definitely won West Australia's MVP. I think, I think he might have won the Lark medal that year yeah. as well. Um, but Petrocelli, I mean, that was a, that's a punt that's paid off. Yeah, and uh, that just shows what, what I was trying to talk about was that uh, the value of taking multiple picks, so yeah. using four rather than using only one, um, makes a massive difference to your ability to have like a chance of success you roll the dice four times um, and that's that's a really important thing for Gold Coast going forward is turning over the bottom of their list quickly enough that they can continue to use all of their picks um, and I guess as I said the next trade especially that live trade so, made, made that whole thing a bit confusing because they traded out uh, pick 19 to Brisbane for their first round draft pick as well as a couple of other picks and then they traded back into the draft two first, two second round picks to get one pick around pick 19 anyway. Like That means that they actually paid for... It's the same thing, like assuming that that pick 19 is about equivalent to pick 23. It's not that far different. They effectively paid three second round draft picks and a third round draft pick for one first round draft pick from Brisbane. Exactly yeah. the same as that West Coast trade again where you're just piling up the amount of picks and shifting the scales way towards the other team winning. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, like that's the. I mean, it's two years running that they've done that. I mean, even just going back to what we were saying, how we said we thought like two picks should be fine in that thing. Pick twenty one is worth eight hundred and seventy eight draft points. Pick ten, if you assume that West Coast was going to finish about pick ten, is thirteen ninety five. So the equivalent left over is th- pick thirty six. So pick thirty seven. So they gave them pick so. twenty one and pick thirty seven. Was, is, was enough to match what potential you thought West Coast was going to finish the following year. So potentially a sweetener, either a future second or pick 26, if you really wanted to just get the deal done. But yeah. giving up two more... Even means... even if West Coast, say, finished, you know, they had pick six, you're still only talking pick 21 plus pick 22 to get pick six. Yeah. So, I mean, realistically, in any value that you were looking with the trade... You shouldn't be trading out three second round or two second round and one one um, third round as well as an extra future second where you don't know where you're going to finish either. Yeah. For one pick, like yeah. that's just not smart. It doesn't it doesn't make any sense. And like you're saying with the whole with the Brisbane one and and all that pick shuffling and effectively all they got was two second rounders and a Brisbane's first for what's effectively going to be probably three or four. Well, the, the the difference at the moment, yeah, if, if if everything finished right now, would be they would get pick seventeen, and they gave up pick nineteen, pick forty five, and the chance to get Xavier Halloran. Uh, but Ian Hill was still on the table, Jez McLennan was still on the table, so they could have just picked up any of those players anyway. It was a yeah. massive price to pay. Um, we'll, we'll, move, we'll move on from that section yeah. though. Um, so. What they're missing is, um, I think we've said, elite midfielders and experience and the draft picks that they currently hold. Uh, pick one, um, they'll probably take that to the draft. I mean, not they'll probably take it to the draft. They'll probably finish on bottom. I couldn't see them moving off the bottom now, to be honest. Not with their injury list, no. No. Nah. Um, pick 17, uh, they don't hold a second round. Uh, they have Richmond's third round pick. They don't have their own. Oh. And they have St Kilda's fourth round pick. They don't have their own. So... So basically, they've only got one of their own picks and they've finished bottom. So in every single round where they've traded out, they've yeah, slid back. They've slid back. And then if you, well, assume, if you assume yeah. they've traded out one second this year and got Brisbane's first, they've only moved up two positions. Yeah, their, their trading has been really poor for setting them up for the draft. If they made no trades, they'd be in a better position. Exactly. Um, which That's, is which is not... A, like, it's, that, that happens 50% of the time. It happens more than that. Like it's, This is my biggest frustration. Like Mel- <laughs> Melbourne, which we'll talk about, that's the biggest frustration I've got, is half the time when they trade, you end up in a worse position. Yeah. And, and like, yeah, I, I mean, now you, you'd expect to see, you know, um, a lot of analytics involved in this sector. So teams should be looking for neutrality in trades rather than one side clearly winning, which is what, you know, we've looked at three trades there and clearly another side's won. Yeah. <laughs> so... You know, combined total of 150 games lost in trades in two years. Yeah, and just with picks. That's not even players yeah. leaving the club. They've lost more than that in players. Mm. Um, so upcoming contracts. So this is where we go through all the players that we can see that are out of contract. Um, now, this information is sometimes not completely up to date as far as who's in and who's um, been recontracted, but we're, yeah. we'll do our best with it. So... Um, starting from the top, uh, Aaron Young, uh, he's been there for a little while now. We'd probably give him one to two years to re-sign him. Just to... Probably one for depth. Yeah, exactly, for depth. Um, same with Anthony Miles. Yeah. You just need to keep them around because they're the right age and they offer... They probably, when fit, 
are both best 22 um, based yeah, on the current I'm list. still not happy with the Anthony Miles one. All over Lions, especially, yeah. 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 I mean, uh, you've just traded one for the other and, you know, Lions is clearly better. But anyway. Yes, he is. Um, Bradley Shear, um, I'd probably either re-rookie or delist him. Um, yeah, I'd like to see him re-rookie him. Um, I didn't mind him in his juniors. So, yeah. Um, I'd probably lean on the re-rookie. Uh, I know he's played three games this year, so, you know, hopefully he can take the opportunity and, and have a go. Um, but, yeah, that I, I would... He, he's worth the rookie punt. Yeah, he is. Um, it's hard because I just want Gold Coast to turn over the bottom of the list quicker, which means freeing up spaces. So I would re-rookie him um, if you've got the space, but I would delist him if it meant that you could open up an additional space and you only were going to take one or two picks. I'd rather you take four or five picks. I reckon there's enough delistings here that you could quite happily hold yeah yeah you're probably, you're probably right uh, Braden Crosley had a contract you probably want to re-sign, re-sign him, him. Um, yeah. anything between two and four years um, yeah. he's a long term prospect being a ruck forward uh, Archie is injured so I mean I would give him either two years um, because he's got talent and can use the ball um, yeah. they've put a lot of time into him and he seems like a good kid careful John your sunk costs might come back to haunt yeah yeah well, I, I'm just saying you being diplomatic, are you? Yeah, I think I think I am because really I would probably trade him. Um, I, I would rather. I don't, I don't think that he's been good enough, um, and I think that he'll offer more value on the trade table than he will as a player, just because he's been a little bit injured the whole time, and uh, a lot of the time those players just never end up reaching where you think they're going to some, be. Some, sometimes you just need to change your environment to shake it up. And yeah, I agree. It's, it's not exactly. I'm not saying it's anything to do with him. It's just. Might be might be time for a change. Yeah, I think I think with him, I'd, I'm agreeing with you. Two years or trade, um, I'd probably dangle the carrot on the trade first and um, see what the appetite is there. Um, yep. One of those Australian clubs, maybe. I think his brother's back there, um, so maybe something like that. Um, otherwise, I mean, he's. I, I think he's worth persisting, especially given like where their list is at. Um, yeah. I think the talent is enough that you could justify two years. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, maybe with a bit of performance in there, so maybe a lower base with some performance clauses, you know, um, top 10 in best and fairest and that sort of thing. And, you know, that that would be the sort of contract to try and see if you can turn it around. Even the games threshold for him. He doesn't yeah. play enough games each year because of injury, so protect yourself um, with injury clauses. Connor Nutting. Delist him. Um, yeah. Same with Corey Ellis, who they brought up last year. But Corey Ellis has struggled with injury. Um, I think he's back in the side at the moment, but... I just don't think that he's got what it takes at AFL level. Yeah, you know the funny. I think they'll. I think they'll re-sign him. Um, my personal view is delist, but I think they will re-sign. Yeah, Hall and Smith. Yeah, probably re-sign, maybe delist. Um, it will just depend on whether they've seen enough from him um, to suggest that he can be a player for them for the next four years. Yeah, um, I think depth re-signing for one with, yeah. a, with a trigger for a second. G- given how many other players around that sort of age bracket they're pulling the trigger on, so I'd want them to delist Harrison Wig. Um, yeah. Jack Leslie, been there for six years now, um, but he's not in the best team and he's on the rookie list. Yep. Jack Martin, the big one. He's the... Uh, I mean, it's a really, really, really tough one. He's um, been courted by all accounts by um, several Melbourne clubs. Um, I believe one of them that's been mentioned a lot is Essendon, but I'm not sure Essendon has the currency to get the job done. 
um, given they traded two firsters for Dylan Shields, which means they won't yeah. be able to trade next year's either. I feel like um, probably somebody like the Dogs or Saints would be in a better position. The Saints is a good one. I think he'd suit the Saints. Yeah, a better better position financially as well um, to be able to to be able to afford a contract and probably pay the right amount in picks. I think with him though, their goal has to be to re-sign him. Yeah, yeah. If, if they're yeah, the, new, the new club, new culture. Um, they, they'll, they'll still have the excuse, and it, it's still legitimate, that they're, they're players that have um, been through a hard time at the Gold Coast and just want a fresh start. Yeah. Um, and he could be the last one of those, and I don't think that the new players that are being brought up with the new culture would hold that against him. Yep. Um, they would probably be welcoming the, the fresh start completely, but... If he signs on to a long-term deal, it's effectively saying the same thing anyway. I, yeah. I'm here, and I agree with the new culture. So, um, yeah. hopefully, they can get him. Uh, yeah, I hope to, they re-sign him. I'd love to see a four-year deal for him. Um, Jacob Dawson, I'd probably elevate him. Um, I mean, I'd elevate him and give him two years because I think that he's got something about him. He's just he's really tough, um, and he's pretty good at uh, at needful level regularly. Um, and being a player as well from the like an ex academy player for them, um, like a Gold Coast Academy, I think it's good for them to have some academy players that are a bit more senior. Like mm. he, he'll be twenty one, twenty two now, um, staying on their list uh, just to help the future academy players as much as um, have a player that's potentially going to make it on your list. Yeah, no, I agree with that. That's fine. I mean, definitely elevate him. I think he's earned a spot on the main list. So. And given I'm saying D-list Jacob Heron, who's another one of those academy players, um, I'd, yeah. I'd say that... What happened to him? He just dropped. I, I mean, I, I yeah, he, he was... You know, his first year, he did some nice things. He yeah. played a you know dozen off... Well, handful some, of games. Handful, dozen, something like that. Um, but yeah, this year is just... Uh, I don't know if he's injured. I have to look it up, to be honest. Um, but yeah. I think if, I think if anything... Um, What's his name? Stewie Jews just getting a better idea of the list and who can do what. Um, in the first year, I feel like there was a lot of players that got opportunity because they were young yeah. and they could just try and do things. Whereas this this year, as much as they're a lowly team, they definitely have roles. Like Definitely their team are all playing roles and they're playing the same system. So it is going to be harder to get into. And yeah, I just don't think that he's come on far enough to suggest that he's going to be a player. Yep. Um, Richard Telly has been a great servant, and I hope that he probably retires. That's sort of where I feel they'll come to. Yep, I um, agree with that. Otherwise, you might have to delist him, but I feel like he'll retire. Mm. Um, I'd say there's a couple of new players to the club, so Mitch Reardon and Sam Fletcher, both who came in um, via the new means, one via the mid-season draft and one via... Uh, SSP. the SSP um, and I'd pro- probably give them both once two years just because you want to give them time to develop as um, as midfielders um, they're both midfielders so that would yeah I mean you, you've picked them even like I think a lot of the clubs with the mid-season draft has used it as a draft for development pipeline and for, for Gold Coast I certainly would have been so I mean I'd I'd like to see him re-sign Mitch Riordan for, yeah, probably two years. Uh, that, that'd be okay. Um, and given the amount of delistings and stuff we've got on here, you can be pretty comfortable with that. And, and Sam Fletcher, um, I just haven't seen enough of him to really comment. But, yeah, given they've yeah. brought him on late, I, I, you'd hope that they can... Uh, if he's been brought on with SSP, he'll be rookied. 
Yeah, he's a rookie. So, that, so maybe, the... maybe re-rookie him for another year. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, the last three or four players, uh, Nick Holman has been great. Uh, I'd probably try to sign him three years. Three, yep. three years at low money or two years if he's asking for a bit more um, and just put some more performance-based clauses around Maybe it. Maybe you trigger for a third or something. Yeah. Pierce Hanley rolling one-year deals, um, but probably offer him a one plus one plus one. Um, okay, yeah. I see what you're saying, yep. Like trigger clauses for games played because they need to keep experienced players. Um, they paid a lot for him in the trade. Um, I believe it was the first-round draft pick. So, Tom they, Nichols. He's got to go. And and Sam Day is probably going to leave as one. well. I mean, I think based on where the list is at, you'd want to keep him if, yes. he's, if he's good enough. Yeah. Um, but if they don't deem him good enough, obviously he struggled to get a game for a lot of this year, then they should just let him leave. Yeah. yeah. Free, freeing up almost 10 list spots. Yeah. And I think if, if Sam Day was to leave, they would probably net a second round combo back, I would think. Um, yeah, it depends. obviously I, I the, think the, the, con- AF- the contract size. Yeah, the AFL having discretion over how yeah, that works. Discretionary means, mate. Yeah, you're probably right. Oh, look, that's a, a start of first round pick. <laughs> I, I think people might complain a little bit about that. Um, well, if they got a priority, and you know, it might be the James Frawley situation where we won't give you a priority, but we'll give you pick three for James Frawley. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> well it's, 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 it's going to be interesting. Like, I, yeah. I mean. It'd be very interesting to see how that plays out if he leaves high for agency because it's hard to say we deserve a lot of compensation when you're keeping him out of your side. Well, like, I don't, he's I don't, not, not not injured, but not being named. Yeah. I mean, he had the horrendous hip injury and he's had quite a few serious injuries, but he's he certainly, like, I mean, he played the other week and he was good. So, um, I mean, he's an AFL player, that's for sure. But I, I think for, like, just with the priority pick, I know there's been a bit in the media this week about it. Um, I stand firm. I said it last year. I'll say it again. Um, clubs applying for priority. If if you, you, your benchmark is the depth that Melbourne plummeted to in, in 2012, 2013, whatever it was, and if you're better than that, which Gold Coast are, I don't know. Uh, uh, no, two wins and a percentage of 50 Three, yeah, but it's it's not. So, so it's, that's, it's, that's not. It's not fair to use a strict win loss and percentage cutoff he, for he, for he, badness because he, he everyone would say that Melbourne back then had a better team than Gold Coast do right now, and in easier conditions, more first round draft picks, all that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, Gold Coast need more help than that. I, I don't. Think, I, I don't think they need draft help. I don't think they should have an early first round draft pick help. Definitely, I think that if they're going to get help, it might be as you said, pick nineteen. Uh, yeah, a, a friendly, um, a friendly compensation pick uh, for for Sam Day leaving um, yeah. well, and, even, and like, some assistance off the field. Yeah, I, like I think we said it last podcast. The priority don't. Don't mess with the first round of the draft. That's that's that, my simple my simple. Yeah. Rule. We, we didn't say that. Sean said that. Yeah. Because I'm all about messing with the first round of the draft for a good purpose. <laughs> yeah. Your your thing would suit what they're going to try and get. But anyway, so don't mess with the first round of the draft. Where the Suns, like we said, it's going to take three years for the Suns to rebound. Okay. They've got a they've got coaching. They got restructured their list department. They've different management off the field you know everything that they're doing is new and it's going to take time for that all to click there's no reason to overreact now 
hand of a priority pick affect other clubs in what is a weak draft as well. So shuffling everyone one position this year has a much bigger effect than last year. So if you go and hand them pick one and pick two, then effectively everyone else loses out hugely. As we've discussed on our analysis, pick one and pick two are the only two picks worthy of a top three selection. And in fact, if you if like if you look at the first round of the draft, you're now effectively saying the team that finished, say, sixth last, which is probably St Kilda area at the moment, you aren't going to get a top ten talent, even though your pick is pick now going to be pick eight. eight. Yeah. So you're not going to get a top end talent, a top ten talent with a pick eight, three inside the top ten. That's you can't. This year is not a year to mess with, and it hurts everyone else too much, and it's not going to improve them. Like last year, giving them their mature talent, I thought that was a good idea. And look, I mean, it's I, I, to I, be all right. I disagree. It would improve them. Like having Matt Real and Noah Anderson would definitely improve them over it, just having one of it them. Pro- improve them in four years' time. It, it's exactly. It's not going to improve them on the field. Yeah, but that, so, what's the point? You, you're better off putting the money where, like, they're going to improve in four years' time with the talent they've got on their list anyway. Let's let's, let's put the money in the off. Let's park. Let's park this discussion because yeah. you and I have this discussion on a couple of podcasts, and we are getting um, pretty long into this podcast. Yeah. Um, so we'll talk about some of the trade free agency targets they should be looking at now. Um, yeah. Some of the players they should be looking at is just middle aged midfielders, effectively. The dream scenario is that somehow they could pay Stephen Canelio a, a bunch of money, um, more than anybody else. One point eight million, and offer him a very long contract and say, "Listen, Stephen, we need you to come up and help set the culture up here. Yeah. You'll be effectively the assistant coach, um, <laughs> and just just come up and play." I don't think that he would. Um, don't think that he would do it, but. Um, there are other players around that age group that might be uh, good inclusions for them. Gus Brayshaw from Melbourne um, could be looking for a new home. Uh, Zach Jones. No, I don't think he's looking for a new home. It's just a, it's a perfect fit for them. Yeah. Oh, well, most of these players aren't looking for Gold Coast to go to either. Well, Zach Jones is out. Gus Brayshaw's in contract. Zach Jones is out. So that, yeah. that is different. Oh, we, we threw Gus Brayshaw up, and, and I'd also throw up the Crouch brothers as well from Adelaide as as three in-contract midfielders that they should be willing to roll the dice and see if they can poke something loose. Yeah, but you wouldn't want to give up an early draft pick for them. That's yeah. the problem, is that they need to keep their draft picks as well. Yeah. Brand, Brandon Ellis they could get uh, for free, and they could probably be the only ones that could pay him um, a lot. Yeah. Um, so he, he's somebody that I'd consider. Um, Cam Ellis Yolman, he probably deserves a payday. Um, he'd be certainly best 22 straight away probably even best 10 yeah I think he'd be best 10 um, he's, a, he's a really solid inside midfielder and he would help some of their other players develop yeah. as I said he's someone that probably is only on two to 300 mm. so you could offer him 600 and uh, maybe not that high but yeah but you could like yeah. I mean that's that's how you can get a player like Cam Alice Yolman because you can offer them more than Adelaide can afford yeah. more than most other clubs would be willing to pay yeah. Uh, we obviously want them to get some senior talent as well. So, obviously, it's been talked about Burgoyne, and he's a dream scenario, but other guys that probably also all won't leave their clubs, but yeah. it all would be ideal. Uh, David Mundy, uh, Nath Jones, Justin Westhoff, and Jared McVeigh. And I threw in um, Mav Weller there because uh, I know like that... the circle of life. I like the circle of life. I like <laughs> him coming back to where he came from. <laughs> um, 
The thing is, he'd probably be best 22 at Gold Coast um, and his brother's there, so I don't mind that fit, but I get that they're not looking there. Um, they, they probably also know his deficiencies better than anybody else, so yeah. I understand that. Um, and the trade bait to, to potentially get one of these players is somebody like Jack Martin. Um, Jack Lacocious potentially for Adelaide. Um, I don't really like the idea of them losing Lacocious, but if they can get a very good player and the second pick or uh, I mean Carlton's pick or if they can get two good players then it would be worth it yeah I, I the only way I would do it and I think we spoke about this before but it Lukosius for the Crouch brothers like as a straight swap nothing else included or one Crouch brother and Carlton's pick yeah and you know that's that's it like there shouldn't be there's no overs there's no sweeteners there's no nothing it's you know, and the reasoning for that is they've got to get that middle-aged talent into that side yeah. with experience. And, yeah, I agree. You know, that's where that's where those targets are there. I think if uh, Jack Martin leaves, then trade like Melbourne actually probably would be a good fit for him. Um, so trying to shake Gus free uh, for Jack Martin, both former high draft picks. Oh, Melbourne would want overs for that though. Anyway, but so so with Gold Coast. I mean, I don't like. I know that Gus finished high in the Brownshaw uh, Brown yeah, last had a year. Contract and in contract. So that, yeah, yeah I, I agree. You might get it. You might get pick seventeen on top of it or something like that. But it's something to consider. Um, maybe yeah, look, maybe as a straight swap for Zach Jones. Fit, but I'm not sure that our recruitment team would take that because um, he can dispose of the ball correctly. He runs. He's an outside player. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's not a contested ball free. Yeah, I was. I was saying. This. I'm just taking. I'm just I'm taking the piss. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> it's funny. We were having this conversation on Twitter. Uh, I was having this conversation on Twitter with some Melbourne supporters this morning because I was saying they're saying pick two is perfect because you can get Anderson. No, Anderson's probably going to be available. Pick two, perfect for us. And I said, well, actually, there are some players that are more perfect for you, but they're not as good. Like. Mm. Young, uh, we'll go uh, through them in a minute. These other kind of players, but now that I think about it, you probably take Caleb wrong. Uh, <laughs> you would take it, oh, a, sh- a short inside midfielder uh, that wouldn't fit the team at all. Um, so uh, classic, more, more inside midfielders. Classic Melbourne. Um, so I mean, as we said, the current draft picks, uh, pick one and seventeen, are really the only ones that we're taking. I'm assuming that forty nine onwards, um, they'll have to match for Connor Buderick, which is. Great, they can get a talented player, um, but he's he's short, so they'll probably want to look taller with their first two picks. Um, makes me think that they'll probably be going Anderson over Rao, um, even though they people want the consistency of Rao. If you've just gone and drafted a 176-centimetre midfielder and Connor Buderick, I think that going and drafting a 178-1 would be the opposite of what the rest of the AFL is transitioning towards. Yep, and uh, Anderson's something they don't have. Yeah, well, they don't even have it. They don't have a player like Raul either. But and pick seventeen, I would look again um, at a big-bodied um, or a good midfielder. So uh, when I say big-bodied, Devin Robinson is strong. Harry Schoenberg is powerful. Brody Kemp, although he's done an ACL, um, yeah, potential. Good, good luck, mate. Hope you get back fit and firing. Yeah, um, and the other the other one I'd probably consider about this age it's, uh, position is Trent Rivers, just because he could play AFL next year. Um, and also, he could be a long-term midfielder for them, another tall midfielder. So if they go Rao, they probably have to go tall with their second pick. Yep. Um, what do they do, mate? Well, don't trade their picks. So they, they've got to keep... Um, it doesn't matter. I know that a lot of football commentators want to say they need experience, they need experience. 
They do. They definitely need experience, but they don't need experience in the at the expense of losing their picks. Yeah. So take your picks to the table, draft midfielders, and if you can get some free agency talent, go get some free agency talent. If you can get some um, mid-range talent for some future late picks, then go go get that. But um, don't trade your early picks out. Yeah, yeah. So I guess uh, taking into I guess I go first with final words, don't I? Um, yeah. Basically, what you just said. Um, Future first and second round picks are no longer to be traded until otherwise decreed. Um, it's just not... It, as we showed before, it's not working well. Um, focus on your midfield. I think as a two-year draft cycle, you've done really well. Uh, even a three-year draft cycle. Um, I think the year before, they, they got... Was that the Will Brody and Ben Ainsworth and all that? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, Jack Bowers, Will Brody, two midfielders there. Um Ainsworth can potentially run through the midfield, so he's a mid forward. So that was your 2017, 2018. You've got um, you gone up, gone big. You got Lacocious and King, and and you got probably a freaky talent in in Rankin. So this year, go back, focus on your midfield now, and that's probably the focus for the next few years. And free agent experience. The only time you should be bringing in a player um, with experience is via free agency, where it doesn't cost you a pick. Yep. Um, um, they should have fixed up their salary cap issues. Yeah, reported. I, I would hope so as well. I mean, my um, my final words would be: this is probably the last year where you can afford to lose um, senior experience and have it as a the same old excuse. Yeah. Um, otherwise, the players will have been there for too long. So, if you're going to lose Martin and you're going to lose Day, lose them this year. Um, uh, get picks, get future picks, get players. What you, whatever you can do, um, just get move on to all the players that want to move on um, and draft taller mids because the, the future is going to be towards taller mids and Gold Coast, as much as people want to write them off and say push them out into the ocean yeah. and let them float away, Gold Coast are, are going to be a future club of the competition and they're going to be, a, if all of these players come on, it's a big if. Um, I mean, I, I, they'll, they'll be in finals in five years, um, but it's... Yeah. Five, five years is a long time if you can wait that long, but they'll... The list has the talent. The list has the talent, and I think that they've got the culture right now. Their leaders are in the right positions. Um, having somebody like Took Miller and Dave Swallow to lead the club going forward is really important for and them. And Big Witsy as well. Jared Witz. They're all great culture players, so I think that they're going to... They might not be big improvers next year, but they're definitely going in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think we actually might wrap it up here because this has gone, as we said, it's gone a little bit long. Uh, we're past the hour mark uh, almost with this Gold Coast um, episode. So we'll now jump into uh, the D's in a separate podcast. But thanks again for joining me, Sean. And um, you're going to be joining Twitter, which is exciting. Um, I think you'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Twitter, hopefully uh, hopefully I'll get all that sorted up soon. And yeah. we'll, um, we'll definitely be... Uh, having our Twitter wars maybe by the next podcast. Yeah, let's see we go. Uh, thanks again for listening, guys. We'll chat to you soon. Thanks, guys. See ya. If you constantly worry that the worst is going to happen, you're not alone. One in four Australians will experience anxiety. No one anxiety is talking. Visit Beyond Blue to start a life beyond anxiety.